Hello, friends. This is Andrew Sweeney from Parallax Academy. This is just a quick reminder to subscribe and like our YouTube channel and sign up for our newsletter to keep abreast of all of our activities. And if you want to get more involved, Parallax Academy has a membership program, coaching and mentorship, as well as several new courses and study groups. Come and join our convivial hub and network with some of the best thinkers, movers, and visionaries in the world today. And please consider contributing by becoming a patron or making a donation. Join us to help rebuild spirituality, rethink philosophy, and reimagine culture. The links to all of our activities are in the description below. Hello, everybody. Welcome uh, to Parallax, Parallax uh, Podcasts. Uh, my name is Andrew Sweetie, and we're here to talk about sex and sex and sex and and sex and maybe gender, whatever the fuck that means. Um, <laughs> and and all, and all of these things kind of from a perspective of having different sexual identities, sexual orientations, uh, sexual uh, life stories, perspectives, etc. You know, beyond the, the culture war uh, conversation. So so I'm just going to ask everybody here to to introduce themselves and uh, and and say who you are and and um, and then and then we'll we'll get into uh, our, our discussion. So, how, would you like to begin, uh, Rachel? Rachel Hayden. Yeah, sure. I probably had the most coffee by now, so <laughs> I'll I'll kick it off. Um, yeah, I guess like my little entry into this corner of the internet was like with John Verveke and I um, was a Patreon of his a few years ago and I was going through gender transition at the same time and um, we talked a little bit and he was really excited about how I viewed gender transition as an aspirational developmental process and not just as like, you know, projecting your true self or something like kind of simplistic of that nature. Um, and so he had me on his channel, like awkwardly, like totally mid transition. And I just was like, sure, that sounds great. Like I'll just jump in. I like to jump into things and be awkward. So it was kind of perfect for me. Um, and then I ran into Aiden, like kind of through that, I guess, and like Greg Henriquez's channel and, um, email listserv. And we've been bouncing ideas back and forth and somewhere along the line, I think Adriana, you were on you talk as well. And, that's how I found out about you. And like, we just started jamming and like the real like stories we've been like jamming on this subject now for a while. And we have this like crazy dialogue, trilogue going like right now with all kinds of like biographies and um, ideas and perspectives and stuff all thrown together. So the whole thing is this like beautiful swirl of conversation and I'm wanting to like evoke some of that today. And I'll pass to Aiden who's also probably more awake. <laughs> I'm more awake, but I might be more distracted. I don't know. Um, so my name's Aiden Connor. Uh, I have kind of been making my way into the liminal web space as I got into John Verbeke's work. That was my entry point um, into all of this. And yeah, I mean, I think Rachel hated it. Rachel uh, summed it up really, really well as far as like what our dynamic is between the three of us um, who are visiting and talking on Parallax here today. Um, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a trans man. Um, I have a, a toddler. I'm married. Um, I have been really concerned over, over the years, increasingly concerned over the tenor of the conversation around sex and gender 
Uh, I do think that there's a reality behind all of this that drives all of our participation in this conversation because it seems really clear that if anything, the conversation has become increasingly toxic in the last few years. And so what I hope that we can contribute is a, a healthful, respectful, mindful way of talking about sex and gender that helps to create space for differences um, while also recognizing the need to um, the need to temper basically the the more extreme notions that might might enter the conversation if that makes sense so I think we're all kind of concerned about things like early transition uh, for example early medical transition and that kind of popped to mind as something that um, in a weird way the three of us might be well, really the four of us might be in a good position to kind of talk about that conversation, even if it doesn't come up today. Um, but yeah, I, I, I had like a few thoughts that uh, came up in our exchanges. And I don't know, Adriana, if you wanted to introduce yourself first, but I was gonna read that like short little thing that I wrote um, and posted to the intellectual deep web earlier today just as an intro to the conversation. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, you can you can do that if you want, and then I can. Or yeah. you can or, I don't that's know a, what. Yeah. A really yeah, go for it. I mean, let's have a relaxed, spacious conversation, yeah. Yeah. and we have time. That's good. We're, we're yeah. in no hurry, and uh, well, let's just do our thing here. All right, cool. And then uh, the coffee will sink in by the time you finish. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like caffeinated I, person. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. It was a... There was one opportunity that the, the three of us had to work together on um, a presentation for the Concilians Conference a few months ago, um, which Greg Enriquez helped to organize through the uh, Unified Theory of Knowledge Society. And in preparation for that, I was just the moderator. So we had a few conversations and I, I prepared like a little basically prepared a little piece to be able to introduce the conversation. And it felt really um, it felt really useful in that case. So in preparation for this, I just kind of felt like that would be a good way to, to begin things. When the rain falls in the watershed, a torrential downpour hits the top of the watershed. Erosion and destruction might come to mind for those of us moderns accustomed to paved roadways and suburban sprawl. For the mimetic savanna provides us perceived comfort and safety. Where the strip malls in the neighborhoods have impenetrable encasement of the earth below, water flows unimpeded, increasing in force as it rushes down the various pavements that smooth out our lives. Year after year, the water shoots down the watershed, and year after year, the land and its inhabitants suffer for both too dry and too wet cycles. The torrential downpour is the wild energetic force of the gods who need, no, who demand mediation, and without appeasement in landforms and receptive media, their destruction will reign. What is their demand? What is required of us? Tangential flow comes to mind. What the fractal pattern of the manageable watershed teaches us is that we can intentionally channel, disperse, and collect water so that there's no such thing as a too wet or a too dry cycle. 
Where the tangential flow over topsoil mediates the watershed, the destructive force of the gods is nowhere to be found. The land mediates the water through the curves of her spine, the contours of her soft skin, and the hydrological force is appeased into slow infiltration as it seeps into the soil, gathers into ponds, and settles calmly at the end of the descent. This is the, the dynamism of the shaman mediated through the matriarch, her mythos acting as the alpha and omega of the inner sanctum of the community. She sees the shaman and welcomes them in with open arms, embracing them. But in her wisdom, her judgment mediates the flow of the waters, dispersing the raw force of the shaman and collecting some of this creative generative power to sustain us for tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that ad infinitum. Thank you very much. Yeah, that nice. Beautiful. Really beautiful. Your words tend to bring me to tears, um, Aiden. But yeah, that's kind of lovely too. Uh, so I, I was just trying to work out where to begin and maybe, um, well, my entry point to this, um, this corner of the internet was with the rebel wisdom community. And I became really active in that space. Then after the rebel wisdom community, um, kind of started dissipating something else was formed and I was a part of the form forming of that. So it was a collective now called Emergent Commons, which is active and it's a really beautiful hub of online sharings and it's, it's horizontal leadership. So it's really beautiful because we were able to work through when David and Ellie came out and how to make this horizontal um, leadership. And in, uh, so, so there's a lot of interesting things that came out of that. So that's happening. And um, through that, I made lots of connections and friendships and exchanged um, a lot throughout this, this time. So my curiosity was always, um, I was curious about the feminine and not necessarily females. And there was a constant conflation of that. Every time I'd be like, ah, there's something missing, there's something missing here. In the beginning, it was just um, I was just very enamored. I, I love the whole concept. I love all of it. And I think it's very, it was very timely and was very important. I loved the introduction of jo John Vavaki and Jordan Hall and a lot of names and a lot of friend, friends that I made. And then at some point I was like, okay, I'm missing something. And every time I, I felt I was missing something, um, the question was like, okay, show me a woman that is like the Daniel Schmartenberg. And I was like, that's not the right question. That's not the right question. So I, this, this movement in myself, and of course to frame what I did before that. So before my trajectory was around 15 years ago or 14 years ago, I started, I was initiated into, into the lineage of, the, the menstrual cycle in a woman, which is like something that you have to be initiated upon these days because it's, it's a lost wisdom. So I was initiated by a teacher and I was really curious about that. I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, being an adult for a while. And I didn't know that. I didn't know the wisdom of the cycles. So that was, that had me curious. And so I dove deep into that, that, um, feminine wisdom. And then after that, I moved into developmental work, work with developmental models and integral theory and stuff like that. And there was just at the time of rebel wisdom that naturally those things started integrating in me. 
so I was seeking for the, I was coming back into this feminine curiosity and I was seeing a lot of the integral theory frames and development. A lot of that was present, but there was a lot that I was interested in bringing back and it felt relevant for the conversations. And, um, and then with these two beautiful people here, I, uh, I just, um, Rachel, I, I met Rachel first through Greg and then we had conversations and then we've just really um, hit it off. We were just like, oh my God, this is really, we, we jam really well and it feels really beautiful. And, and then Rachel's like, you need to meet Aiden. And then we connected and then we recorded something for a project that I have now, which is called Final and Full Circle, which is attempting to bring um, shed lights in lots of uh, the angles of the masculine and feminine. And, um, and now we have this WhatsApp, thread conversation going between us and that's very energized and we I see it as a live philosophy we're, we're kind of making we're not bringing from the logos and trying to fit into our lives we're going like this is how it is here and how is it mm -hmm. for you and this is how it is here how is it for you and because we have a lot of crossover and nuance my nuance with the menstrual cycle and the awareness that that brings and then the nuance of Rachel's life experience and Aiden's life experience gives a very fertile territory for overlapping and seeing where it matches and where and where the constructs are failing and where the narratives are collapsing. And so so we've been just like enjoying a deep friendship and also deep philosophical exploration. So it's it's nice to be here with the two of them and with you. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, maybe I could say a few things kind of about my background and perspective in relationship to, let's say, you know, what I've thought about this stuff uh, in terms of sexuality and gender. And, and so, you know, I'm married, I have two kids, uh, ordinary guy, um, or whatever that means. Uh, I, I've been thinking about sex and gender for a long time. Uh, you know, I, I read a book by Ivan Illich called Gender. It was put out in 1980. And according to people who follow Illich, he, he kind of invented this term. But what people mean by it now is completely something else. So, so what he meant was 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 complementarity. Uh, he, he he didn't mean it, and he was very critical about sort of what he called uh, economic sex and transaction and, and the way that, you know, that the sort of the way the 1950s world was with, you know, sort of very hyper atrophied gender roles, behaviors, etc. So in one way, it was kind of traditional in another way, it was trying to, to honor, uh, you know, gender, um, which he meant, some, which he meant by he meant complementarity. Um, he didn't but um you know and, and i've been i've been i've been practicing you know in buddhist tantra tradition for, for a long time and and one of the things you do in buddhist tantra is you 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 play a lot with um you know uh, you play a, a lot with uh let's say sexualized images of men and women in different you know positions so for example you might in a deity yoga practice you might imagine yourself as a woman and in the outward practices you might dress up like a woman and in the inward practices you might just do that inwardly and, and nobody would even know so there is some some sort of let's say complementarity and fluidity at the same time in that tradition it's not saying 
uh, we've got to get back to uh, anything in uh, which never existed in, in my in my view. So so uh, so so in some ways I'm very fond of Jordan Peterson, but I I I find that his 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 uh, I find that there's 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 a kind of a, a powerful, uh, let's say, something regressive in that in in, in what, what in his whole perspective of that. Um, uh, even even if I can understand some of the issues related to young people in surgery and and, and all that. So so so, you know, when Adrian Adrian uh, approached me, I, I had just uh, spoken to Jordan Peterson's wife, and and she was you know she was promoting a kind of conservative view, and and I and I and I, I appreciate her, and I uh, you know, uh, so I, I I you know, and I want to have all kinds of people on on, on Paralyx with different different points of view. So I, I thought it might be in the wake of that discussion. Where she was quite cr critical of uh, transgender I ideology, it would be great to ha have you guys on uh, to talk about that stuff. So um, yeah, well, I think we're all critical of transgender ideology as well, mm -hmm. the way that it's commonly framed. So yeah, maybe that's a part of our starting point. Well, can you can you can you say why? Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, totally. And this was you know. For me, like this is all woven with life, right? I don't have like a theory that's separated from my own existence and then bouncing it off of like these two friends and other people. Um, but like the idea that there's somehow like this gender thing that's completely separate from sex is like absurd to me. Like it makes no sense to me like to say either that, you know, gender is just a social construct or gender is just something you feel inside yourself. Because, you know, if it's something you feel, what, what is this feeling about? What does it have to do with? Why does it emerge in us in the first place? What's it connected to in the human being? If it's just a social construct, there's really no reason to transition, in my opinion. You know, at least for me, like, like why do I have this deep sense of, like, not fitting in the gender that I was, you know, born in and grew up in? Like, it didn't make any sense to me to, on one hand, say, you have to value everyone's you have to respect everyone's pronouns you know for instance and then on the other hand to say gender is just a social construct it seemed like a total contradiction in terms and so you know that's like one example of of how i feel like you know really um i think aiden and i especially are like critical from within the transgender community and like i don't think either of us are super connected to like the transgender community, whatever that might be, because we don't tend to have that same viewpoint. And we both, and Adriana too, you know, think of this topic as much more complex, uh, much more developmental, much more nuanced, um, and also needing a lot of space and needing, needing the conversation, like these guys have talked about a little, like to open up around the subject and to say like, look, all of these one-sided views are one-sided views. Like, and so like, we need to start looking at everything possible to open up space before we can even have something reasonable to talk about. Yeah, just to interject here, um, one of the things that struck me in listening to you and Owen uh, on Owen Untucked Social podcast talk about your experiences um, is that there's this promotion of fluidity in the culture. And the more I hear you talk, uh, you know, about your, your, the more I hear that, you know, a man becoming a woman, it's, it gives you a lot of insight about the fact that there is such thing as, as woman, it's just in a different kind of body and, and, and your insights on actually 
the feminine principle were, were quite profound, I thought. Um, and uh, but 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 in in the, in the in the culture, we don't want to talk about there being a feminine and masculine principle. Mm -hmm. um, totally. Yeah. How how do you have a conversation about transgender without gender, like mm. without sex, yes. right? Like. Yeah. Yeah. Think, so there's I, there's I, a fear of essentialization, and then you know, but there but there are sort of there is something called female and male, and and that can take many forms. Sorry, Adriana, go ahead. No, 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 I think that's perfect. It's just because I think that that's where I come in, because I think that where I come in is the place of like, we forgot that we're not the same. Like, I'm, I'm totally up for, uh, I don't, I don't think there's, uh, it's as binary as it might, I might make it sound when I speak, but it's just that we forgot so much, there's so much forgetfulness that I think that when we have a construct in our minds that we're the same, and this might have been the, this probably was the, the byproduct of um, uh, feminism or modernity. And, and it's, you know, it had its place. I'm not saying it didn't have its place, maybe socially, but it's, we forgot that actually, so for example, just for, for, for a, a, a tiny little example, when I'm teaching my workshop, so we talk about the cycles of the days, like to, and the cycle of the hours of the day and the cycle of the seasons. So if I'm just giving an example, what I feel now, it's 6 a.m. for me, for Andrew, it's like 10 p.m., for Rachel and Aiden, it's 3 p.m. So that feels really different. That is a mm. felt experience that it's very different. In a woman's body, she cycles just like that. She's cycling every day in a, in a hormonal way. So when I bring that in, it's not to stick to that, but it's just to say a, a man's body doesn't have that. So the felt experience of with reality, this fluidity of being is, is matched in the cycles. So, so when Rachel and I, we exchange about um, the hormone transition, and of course it, it goes beyond that because you know, there is the brain and Rachel can go into that. But when, we, when she said, well, when, when I started taking estrogen, that started happen, happening more visibly. And then I go, because I don't have anything to compare with. If I'm fluid and I only have fluidity, I have nothing to bounce off. And if the world outside of me doesn't see that, then I become crazy. So it's mm. like, oh, but I don't, I'm not that, hold on. And then, so so for a lot of, um, well, a lot of women I work with, they still think they're, some of their perspectives is crazy because they're constantly not matching this other form of whatever it is, confidence or, you know, they get more exhausted and they feel, less than and so there's a lot of things that go on but when I talk to these two it's beautiful because we go like no 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 um there's something that we're reviving here and they're showing very clearly that there is this other and this other is like when Rachel says aspirational I I want I, mm. I'm I resonate with that and that is not this that I have so that makes it very distinct so there is a that that's not this and that to me it's um it's fundamental. That's uh, when Bard talks about the shamanoids and the, the shamans in the fringes waking us up to the waters that we have been swimming in for so long that we kind of forgot we're swimming in that water. I think that these uh, Rachel and Aiden are fundamental. What they bring is fundamental to um, to waking us up to to something that's important, which is the distinctions. In mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean that they're endorsing um, childhood transition. And you know it's they're very different, different um, yeah. 
things that we often get conflated and then we lose the, the, the thread of conversation and Wonderful. Yeah. I mean, it occurs to me that there's something extremely creative about getting to know the other and that that whether whatever sex you are, like if you're a man and you're attracted to women, you know, sometimes your your attraction goes so deep, you want to be that person. You know, um, I remember as a young man, kind of like I, 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 I grew my hair long and I hung around with women because I wanted to be that because I was in love with women. It wasn't because I was a was gay or you know or trans or anything like that. But 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 it but there is but there is a transcendental process that we go in getting to know the other, which I guess trans people take on very literally and and uh and very creatively and, and uh that that seems to be very interesting. Mm -hmm. Um hey, Aiden, do you wanna do you wanna comment? Yeah, I think um I think it really points to the imaginal as being really important to the selfing process, as I would call it. And like, and that this is that how we inhabit gender is like, I don't think it's like something that's given because there's such a wide, um, there's such a broad spectrum that's available as far as like the specifics of your, your, your culture and like how you're embedded in that. Um, but yeah, I just, I think that there's, um, there's something very real at the root of it that is based in a reality that is, is real enough that we can kind of like circle around it. If that makes sense. So like, as hard as it might be to put into like to boil things down into like narrow definitions and how how impossible that might be and how unproductive that might be in some cases like again just another way of saying the same thing you are all, you are all saying like we like this is something that um we all know is a part of how we're interacting with each other there's like some extent that i think there's something about sexuality that's just embedded in the human experience. And um, one of the ways that I like to talk about how it connects in with gender is just this, this idea of taking what would be an adaptation in, in evolutionary terms. And because of our capacities as humans, we've in many different ways gone through this process called exaptation, which is just taking adaptation and using that adaptation um, towards something that suits something completely new. Mm. Um, and to me, that's like, that's essentially what, that's how I look at gender in humans is that this is something that was like, there was this seed, there's this basis that's very biological, that's very evolutionary, um, that goes, into such a like deep part of our history that uh, it's undeniable. Yet, because of our nature and because of the way that we have taken this up and kind of extrapolated out of it, the reality is that we actually do have wiggle room. So where there might be a biological basis, there's like a biological reality. I think that as humans, because of the way that we interact with our identities, because of the way that we interact in our world, there is a reality of options 
when it comes to how we actually inhabit our bodies, how we actually express ourselves in our sexuality. Um, so it's, it's hard because a lot of the conversation ends up going like, oh, like kind of a, the basic like nature versus nurture conversation, which is just super tired and not nearly nuanced enough. Um, and I think like, we sell ourselves short by thinking about things in either extreme. And yeah, I, I just, I think that realizing that there, that, that, that root is real, that there is a root there also needs to be paired with the, the aspirational part of it. The fact that we have options, that there's, that there's something more ethereal and, and less, and, and a lot less tangible than, than strict biological terms to, to reach towards when we, when we try to like, think about and inhabit gender. Yeah. And even within the biology, there's a lot of diversity, I, I suppose, right? It's not a, a dualistic, you know, you know, thing. It's, there's always a, a third element there. So I like to think of like, what's, what's interesting is, and I kind of agree with, you know, Bart was talking about there should be male, female, and then this third, which which could be anything because that would simplify things so much and make us understand that a third is necessary like one that's not this or not that um mm -hmm. and we're all not this or not that like we all have degrees of masculinity and femininity within us unless we're like super you know hyper polarized alpha male or or entirely sexual you know female or, or, or you know motherly fee but but we're all kind of a mix of all these things right to, to a certain extent and what is called heterosexuality is just that we're we're more comfortable in that particular you know uh, balance of male and female but i think there's always a third element there's always a, and that's that what that's what makes life kind of a dynamic process rather than just a static platonic um world am i making any sense uh, we want to like keep it fresh right we want to like bring some beauty to the whole thing um and if like if say like you know part of the role of like sex gender in primates is to provide like a bifocal vision on the world you know like maybe like males tend to see things this way and you know primate troop females this way and then like somehow they're like communicating and getting some depth perception like then our human cultures should be more adaptive in that regard right like so we could be able to like say like oh like maybe like the way that we're seeing things through our gender lenses needs to be shifted maybe those lenses need lenses need replacing or something and then the people in between the margin walkers you know can help kind of put a lens on those lenses themselves and say like, okay, how are they functioning? Do we need to tweak it a little bit and kind of just mess with things a little bit to keep things fresh? I love yeah. that metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> As you were I love talking, the, the depth perception. Oh, yeah. That's really cool. Depth Stealing from Don. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. As you were talking, it occurs to me that each one of you, and perhaps me as well, are going have a, a, there's a there is a, is, a, is a journey, so to speak, uh, towards a creative, you know, there's that identity is not a static thing, which is like, okay, this is a man, this is a woman, we're born like this. So Adriana, maybe your journey is towards, you know, femininity, you know, try to understand what that is. Right. And the same with Rachel and Adriana, you know, or you're moving towards femininity and and when I was describing the fact that as a young guy, I was really 
very feminine and had long hair and, and kind of like, you know, very emotional and sort of like a very feminine guy. And then what my journey was to, it was kind of to discover masculinity, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So, 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 so I think that's very interesting that there's, that there's, there's always a work in progress um, and something to discover. Maybe you guys could talk a little bit about that, that journey or just give, give, um, give, you know, our listeners a, a bit of a, a taste of your, your, your life story. Um, maybe we could start with you, Rachel, because we, we began again. Um, okay. Adriana, did you want to say something earlier? Uh, no, I was just gonna, I was gonna bring, I was just gonna inject the, the frames of, uh, there's an element of integral theory and the developmental models that it might be useful when t- talking about that because gender and um, sex and a while ago I was trying I was going to work with Terry O'Fallon on creating a gender inventory like so basically the growing up of sex and gender so when we talk about it when I hear us talking about this fluidity it's like and I'm not making that developmental stages are, you know, I know there's a whole controversy on developmental stages, but I'm not going into that, going to the truth of a young child that is less complex in their making sense of reality. And so even what a child aspires to is smaller, like what they can see of reality is, is smaller than, you know, a, a philosophical approach they can have to things. So uh, so I think that this is important because, um, and I know I'm not sure if I'm completely diverting from the, the history, but the, the, so my piece, when you said Andrew, my piece not necessarily is that I'm dis- discovering femininity. I mean, mm. maybe when I describe my journey is something else, but it's more about if integral theory brings, one thing that I think it's important is the transcend and include piece. So you're transcending, but you need to include what has been forgotten. So for me, it's more like there are bits that we have forgotten that needs to be remembered. And then we can transcend in whatever way, creative will we want. But if we transcend before including fundamental pieces, then the, what happens at the end is distorted because then we, we can make believe that that piece never existed to start with. So if we start from a, if the starting point is that we're the same, that's an erroneous starting point. We're not the same. So they're yeah. physiological. And then I, we bring that in and we remember that very vividly and we inhabit that. And then once we do that, we go like, oh, there is a sliding scale. And oh, I, it's mm-hmm. like learning how to play an instrument and then wanting to bypass the, the chords, you know, and just jamming. It, we can't be proficient in, in the thing if we forget the, the core distinctions and I think we have forgotten the core distinctions as um, society overall because modernity has us operate in a way that is not mm-hmm. right well maybe I'm, I'm personalizing by saying you're discovering femininity that might be not accurate <laughs> but I think in a way what's more accurate is the entire culture has an amnesia towards certain aspects of of let's say male and, and female experiences that were once very perennial right like as you talk about cycles and, and uh, menstrual cycles mm. and what, what that means to women in, in the modern world, uh, you know, it doesn't mean very much to a lot of women, I don't think, or, I mean, it, it does, but, but it's not supposed to mean you're, it, it's that much. It's just a, it's just an, another appendage, you know, uh, or, you know, that, that we carry around, but the deeper profound profundity of that is, is probably lost. Is that, is that more mm. accurate? Yeah, and it's, I would say that it's not even that's 
uh, doesn't mean much. It means it's an inconvenience. So therefore, mm -hmm. my curiosity. Yeah. So then my curiosity about anything that is creative, even creative, if we're going to use the creativity, the creativity of what it is to inhabit that, we, we, we don't harness because we get a piece of it and go like, oh, that sucks. I don't want that. And then my openness to that closes. Whereas, for example, Rachel's openness to the distinctions in her when she's in progesterone or in estrogen is mm -hmm. an openness. Her awareness is just going like, I'm curious. Oh, in progesterone, I feel this way. So if you are curious about anything in life, then you see it. <laughs> if, mm -hmm. you, if you are completely collapsed into like, I don't have anything, I just fuck, you know, I hate this shit, <laughs> whatever it is, then you don't see it. So there's no openness. And I think that unfortunately we have, um, due to this, instead of reciprocal opening with reality and women's bodies, we have had reciprocal closing. So reality says cycles are nothing and women go like cycles are nothing and that we do this and therefore it becomes ingrained as if cycles are nothing and then when in conversations with Rachel and Aiden we can surface that this there's vis there's visible distinctions and it's beautiful to see their their both when I see Rachel and Aiden in conversation they're they can point to because they're coming from different ends and it's beautiful so they make that visible and there we can transcend and include in whatever way you know makes sense to your personal um creativity and then we can be fully free and creative in our expression i think mm, great okay well what i guess i want to do is like let's i want to maybe ask some perhaps naive questions about the trans experience right why one would want to become, uh, you know, trans, like Rachel born in a man's body and, and then you would want to become trans and why you didn't, you know, why you weren't gay or something, you know, <laughs> like why you decided not to, just to be gay or, or how much of that is decision and how much of that is just you're, 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 you're like that. And so it's, it's a kind of, a, I guess, a naive type of interest. Like what, what makes you jump from being like, let's say, uh, you know, gay to trans what's that jump because it seems like a quantum leap uh on, on some level uh from from gay to trans and maybe i have that wrong <laughs> but I, I don't know. i'm just curious i'd like to hear your experience and then i'd like to hear aiden's experience as well and and, and hear why you would want why you wanted to become trans and 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 uh and and, and about a little bit about that that journey yeah totally cool no naivety is sexy to me it's great as far as the stuff goes because it's like it, the opening is just so important right now. I feel like, um, so I'll answer like as best I can, you know, um, I think it's like a super complex, rich soup of things that goes into transitioning um, for me. Like there were definitely early childhood experiences of like, you know, kind of like I mentioned it on, an, on the, a recent video with Owen and Raven and Bard, like, you know, just like of, kind of a persistent like daydream fantasy of having like different genitalia, like a penis that was like a Y-shaped hollow tube and stuff like that. Like just very like different experiences early on being like definitely trying to seduce neighborhood boys early on, being attracted to girls, like all kinds of like, you know, just difference. I was like a really queer kid. Um, I didn't have like any sense of what being trans was at the time, you know, so 
it was a long time later in my 40s that I was finally like, oh, you know, I think maybe this this ongoing sense of strangeness not fitting in society, fitting in the world, being like sexually atypical, but never really fitting sexually either. And like having like feeling like a mismatched puzzle piece that's always colliding with the other puzzle pieces around me in some sense, like, like it finally all kind of came, came clear in a flash um, of like painful, you know, realization, so to speak. So I, it's hard to say it's a choice. It's hard to say it's not a choice when it comes to transitioning. Obviously there is a, an element of choice there where you're like, okay, I'm going for it. But it's something that I feel like you, you ideally one participates in is a process that you participate in. Um, you're basically participated by the process. It kind of takes over and the person that gets spit out on the other side is not necessarily predictable to the one who's going in. So you kind of have to just throw caution to the wind a little bit. Um, you know, so I don't know if that, I, I know it's like hard to, it's so hard for me to summarize all of it because like maybe like another example, like the the first moment I actually felt that sharp pain, what they call gender dysphoria. I think that, you know, that word has a lot of meanings for people, but um, the pain associated with, with my sex or gender, like was looking at a, one of those stupid apps that used to be popular where like you could like change your gender and you know like put in a picture and then it spits out a picture of supposedly the opposite sex and um it did that and it worked for like the picture turned out pretty well and i was like hit with this wave of pain but it was it, the the thought that was associated with it or the feeling was like that person should have been there for my brother like my brother should have had an older sister growing up and like that would have like the sense that I could have been more present as that person was like profound for me and heavy and mm. deep and painful, you know? And so like, I, Aiden and I have had this like same like realization for a long time that sex and gender are like on a continuum, but like that sex like blossoms into these new dimensions, you know, um, in society and in our hearts as primates and in our minds as people, you know, and our culture. And like that, that difference was so heavy for me that, you know, I could have gone my whole life and felt like, yeah, I'm like this like weird bisexual guy who doesn't really like fit in and kind of has issues. But like that feeling of like, I should have been there for someone, you know, like I want to be there for people as my whole self. I want to become whoever that person is because it was just so fucking painful to feel like I wasn't there for people when I should have been. So does that mean that femininity for you means being means a kind of presence for other being there for other people, a kind of presence for other people? Is that a, 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 a powerful attractor towards femininity? It kind of it was, like, um, it was like, like me, like I was, it was that if I didn't have that friction in my life, then I could be there fully. Mm -hmm, gotcha. um, okay. If I could fit somehow, I could flourish, I could develop into who I should have been. Um, or could be, and, and it does have to do with femininity for me too, because I feel like that's like the relational part of gender is so huge for me, which is why like I, I flip between the words sex and gender so much because like, I feel like our culture needs to, for now, think about those things on different levels a little bit, but connected because mm -hmm. it, it is like, to me, like, I love being, I like, I love like smiling at people. I know this is like 
like I'm kind of like like Adrian and I talk about it like I'm like a naive woman in a lot of ways like I like to like smile at people on the street or whatever and like I just like love being like the kind of connecting glue in society and and in like friend groups and like work groups and between groups of people like it's just to me it's like a dream like to and I've like flourished a lot as like a like more relational person like my relational side has really grown immensely as a result so I would say like yeah both of those things are true Hmm. wow that yeah that's quite a, a witnessing yeah that's that's very very interesting um for me like um the the fact that that uh that uh that you, it's it's a it's a move towards fullness in a sense right uh you know the full the full-on thing <laughs> exactly it's like having a shoe that's too tight your whole life but it's like around your heart or something or you know what i mean like part of you is asleep from the blood loss got it so aiden do you wanna do you wanna tell us a bit yeah um so I have I have a little bit of an odd history just because I I came from a devout Mormon family households um and so as as I was growing up there was like a lot of um uh, where like our general culture our broad culture has been kind of like blurring the lines between masculine and feminine in the Mormon culture that's not the case at all um there there's very much like very clear lines that are drawn in terms of what the roles are between uh, the husband and the wife of a household with kids. Like that's the expectation. And so, you know, I had experiences growing up where that were very similar, like Rachel and I were just like literally just sharing about this this week that like, you know, I also had like early childhood experiences or experimentation with, um, boys and girls and that it was always there was always a sense for me that I I always felt like an outsider and I was always kind of feeling like you know um very much uh awkward like feeling like I was more like playing a part than I was uh inhabiting myself that's like the best way to put it so I like always felt like I was like like, okay, what, what's the right line there? Like, what's the, what's my, I, I can't remember like what the next thing is in the script that I'm supposed to say here. Like there was just a sense of like, um, of just a disconnect. Like there was just a level of dissociation with like with who I was, but it wasn't, what's interesting for me is that like the idea and the concepts that you hear the common trope of, oh, I was born in the wrong body um, has never really like felt right to me because, um, because I am who I am and I don't see how I could be in any way, the same person. If I had been born in a man's body, I wouldn't be the same person. Like I just, there's no, there's no way I would, I would have become, um, become this, you know, like in terms of, in terms of perspective, in terms of how I'm able to participate in culture like there's there are affordances to like having a pathway that is out of the norm that you can if you're thinking through it and um trying to be cautious and considerate like you can really use that towards a lot of good um without 
without challenging other people's realities, which is like a big part of it that I think is upsetting to a lot of people is feeling like their reality is being challenged, like the reality of their identity is being challenged um, on a personal level. But Can yeah, I just the, ask the, a clarifying question here. Mm -hmm. um, this is sense of dissociation that you felt. Yeah. Was that because you because it, you didn't feel like a woman or was it just because you didn't feel like you fit in that particular culture? What, what was that? No, I mean, it was it was more. I think it was highlighted for me more because of the segregation between the sexes. It was like it was more it was probably more obvious to me that I wasn't fitting in in those cases, because, for example, it was 100 percent expected that I wore a dress or a skirt every every time I went to church and it was a hundred percent uncomfortable every time I did that you know what I mean like so there's there's this weekly reminder and every single time that you go to a church meeting you have the first meeting is together everybody everybody together so that's like the equivalent of the math in in like a, a catholic service or whatever and then um I you would break out into basically there there's three hours first hour is that second hour um, is you're with your same age group. So the, you know, if you're a teenager, you're with the other teenage boys and the other teenage girls. And then, um, the third hour you're sex segregated. And so there's just like a, a, a very, like it's, it's very methodically a segregationist kind of dynamic between the genders in Mormon culture. And, um, that, that definitely like comes into the, the, the power structures involved. Um, there's, uh, there's basically like patriarchal leadership, um, is, is, is what leads all of it leads the entire church and organization. And then there's like a separate, uh, female leadership that only really like leads in like the feminine spaces. And so, Anyways, just to give a sense for that, um, like, I, I don't know, there's there's things that I experienced, like I remember, um, like, feeling really confused about like wanting to go on a mission, like being a missionary was something that like both, um, that is something that both like women and young men and, and young women will do in Mormon culture, but it's like, it's basically almost assumed that you're going to go and do that if you're uh, a young man. And if you're a young woman, like absolutely not assumed, like you're like awesome if you want to go do a mission, but like, this is not the expectation we have from you. And that also fed into that also kind of like leads into expectations with education and like um, in the job market as well. So like when I was, when I was um, struggling in school, um, I'd never got the sense that there was like a, a message where my parents were like, look, like you need, you need to be responsible in these ways because you need to be able to take care of yourself. That was never like a part of the conversation for me. It was, it was just kind of like an undercurrent implication that I was going to be getting married and that whoever I married was going to take care of me. So there's like, it's, it's a very, anyways, very so there was obvious. no journey towards personhood or autonomy so much as is that everything was yeah. laid out for you in some sense. Yeah. And that's a pattern that's repeated. Like it's it's I don't want to make it out as if it's like 
women are the only ones who are being oppressed in in a religion like that it's definitely both like i um i had a a male cousin who committed suicide um way back like i was it was basically like the first week that i was starting at university so it's been a very very long time a couple of decades now but um yeah he committed suicide and it was like a mystery why it happened um but I know like it, it's just kind of like this sense that I have that it had something to do with the pressures that he was experiencing from church because he um he had to like leave his mission early and I think that there was like a lot of um a lot going on behind the scenes there as far as like you know the 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 sense of failure like it's like it's like these these expectations are kind of like put on top of all the individuals that are a part of these communities and then if you can't quite like make it if you can't quite like meet those expectations um because of like the deep dualism involved um the shame runs very deep and the um the pain of that failure runs very deep and so um so yeah, I, I would say like I came from kind of the extreme, one of the more extreme ends of, of the spectrum uh, when it comes to like uh, sex segregation. So when I was like, like I listened to your, your interview with Tammy Peterson and I was like, oh, this all sounds very familiar to me. Um, like it was- That's the kind of thing you were, you were hearing from, from people around you. Yeah, like there's the yeah. deep questioning of like what where do women actually fit in to culture? You know, like where like how much can male and female spaces really be blended? Like like there's kind of like a weird level of um suspicion I feel like um uh, that you know carries in a lot of presumptions about like where we're each coming from. Um and like how much we can really understand each other and and i think it's really important to like emphasize that to to say that there are real differences between men and women is not to say that like those differences are um inhibiting people from exploring outside of those differences yeah and yeah. that there's no like that there aren't like ways of bridging those gaps like i think if I were to if I were to say like what the real problem is, like as we're all kind of like coming to realize now is that by smoothing over those differences, none of us are winning. None of us are able to support each other the way that we need to be supported. None of us are able to thrive in the way that we are that we could thrive if we embrace these differences. Um, we're essentially like making all all of the people like more impotent in some way by uh, by kind of like collapsing a lot of what gives us like the most flavor and spice and interesting uh vitality towards our lives like that's what that's what i see is missing and i think that's why like adriana rachel and i have like connected around this because it's because yeah. it, it feels like a cultural project it feels like something that's potentially generative and could shift things in a in like um a way that like brightens life for everybody yeah just just um just that point about what Tommy was saying Tommy Peterson um um it occurred to me that in a way you know you guys are are, are looking for the in a way the same thing and and that is sexual difference right 
like her inquiry is like, where's the sexual difference? You know, where's mm -hmm. that gone? Why are women not women anymore and men not men anymore? You know, <laughs> you know, you know, and why is that not being talked about? And so I think there's a validity there uh, uh, somehow. Mm -hmm. But 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 I but I, I agree with you that there's not there's not not a part of the conversation of this this third this third element are these people who are you know don't fit in 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 one or the other mm -hmm. uh, so so uh, so I so I, I mean I I think you know I should send this conversation to her and <laughs> I I feel I I feel like it would be good if I send it to, to her and Jordan and see see what they said but yeah I mean it. I I actually like I uh, I definitely feel like it would be it would be good like as an exercise at the at, at, if nothing else to share yeah. it I don't know I don't know how it would be received but um yeah like Jordan Peterson was I uh, actually like a really big influence on me um like about four years ago five years ago I got like into his work and I was listening to I listened through um 12 rules for life um and it definitely like had a positive impact on me and um and it's like it's I I've like had an ongoing interest in keeping up with his work just because I see the value. I see the, I see like the need there, um, at least mm -hmm. in some levels of society. Like I think, um, Bard would refer to this as like being, um, kind of like taking part of the, the sutric realm, you know, 12 rules for life. Like this is the sutric realm that, that he's discussing. And, um, and I think like, um, I think something that'd be really like generative is to uh, to discuss and consider the whole bard absolute concepts, like the idea of tantra, the idea that like there's some things that like in our society because we've blended, um, we've we've kind of like taken down a lot of the boundaries uh, between like what adults have access to and are like condoned to do, and what kids have access to and are condoned to do. Um, that there's uh, a certain level of like a loss of innocence in some sense. And mm -hmm. there's also a loss of, of um, I, I'm trying to think of an adequately provocative term, but just like some, there's, there's something that like, there's a certain level of sexual energy of like, of adulthood that's almost missing as well. Like we were, we're kind of like missing those two ends of the spectrum yeah. as well. Like that, that to me seems to be what, the bard absolute is all about is to say okay like we should be able to have spaces that are adult spaces where people are are more experimental and fluid and you can take higher risks within a space that's dedicated towards that kind of uh, process mm -hmm. because um when you let like those like more risky kind of um yeah like uh uh risky experimental um, things like out of the adult realm and like let it bleed into like where kids are, it, it's, it, it kind of ruins it for everybody. It's like, it actually like, it ruins it for both the adult and for kids. And you, you end up with like shitty development for kids and shitty development for adults. Well, that's the thing is he's expressing a lot of outrage, you know, um, 
towards the surgery, uh, you know, and young people and, and, and I guess, I guess the capitalization of the trans experience. And in a way that's, there's a validity to that, but that I, I was thinking that that sort of scapegoats the whole experience. So yes. it, it might be, it might be good to, to, uh, it might be good to distinguish again we talked about that right at the beginning but it might be good to to really distinguish uh the um let's say mimetic quality of this consumerist quality of this the fact that people imitate each other and copy each other you know in a very naive way and then mm -hmm. the genuine experience which you 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 guys are are are, are expressing and the genuine like healing that that go, comes from you know, becoming more fully who you are, <laughs> which is kind of Jordan Peterson's like, you know, thing anyway, mm -hmm. become who you are, right? But, but, but. Like so writing your add story. One thing? Yeah, please, Adrian, May jump uh, Maybe I'll just add one thing uh, or a couple of things. One is the rights of the notion of rites of passages that has mm -hmm. been completely lost yeah. in our culture, which is a fundamental thing. So when I hear Rachel's story and Aiden's story, I'm like, you initiated yourselves, you're, and it's uh, transitioning the way I see it. It's a very outward ego death experience. You're basically like, it's a very courageous act and, it, and you commit everything, everything, your whole mm. construct of this person. You're like, I'm gonna die. This person's not gonna come out. It's super courageous. But I think that this, what you, I'm I'm hesitant to say this is rare. I don't know. I I don't know how many people transition. I don't know that with that type of awareness. Maybe some. I don't know. But I'm thinking this. It's it's such an ego death experience that I think it requires a lot of awareness. And mm. to be this, uh, when I heard when I heard Rachel saying, I wanted to be there for my brother. I wanted to because if I'm not having this tension in my body, if I'm not so confused about my state, I can be full with others in re relationship. That makes total sense to me. And that feels like a movement away from narcissism, a mm. movement towards, towards being with the world, yeah. as yeah. opposed to when you're moving, when transitioning as a child, you are needing a rite of passage because you need a rite of passage. When you go from childhood to adolescence, you need, you're deconstructing your ego structure from child and you're becoming something else. And that is really, really uh, unsettling time. And I think it gets confused in our culture together with all sorts of stuff. For example, postmodern parents that don't know how to say no. And, we, and then you combine that with a very angry child going through hormonal um, transitions in themselves, like all of us. Mm -hmm. Then you combine that with like um, um, us humans not dealing with anger well or frustrations or or people's emotions and just wanting to temper it. So if my child goes like, I want to do this, and I'm like, okay, instead of like an adult, like when I hear, and I I don't think Aiden was meaning that, but when I think when when you said about adults having adult places that landed for me in a different way, but I totally, I agree with what you said. And what I thought was like, our culture is not an adult culture. Like we're, we're not mature, mm -hmm. like we're yeah. not, we're a bit of a blessing. And, and in a way, if we're adults, we go like, okay, kids, hold on. You know, but I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that there are not cases. That's when um, we need to make space for the exceptions. There are mm -hmm. cases of really tiny little kids that were, since they were born, had a particular inclination. And these little kids 
I'm not saying that they shouldn't transition. That feels very different to me than a case of a child that has never shown any signs of anything and it gets, it hits 11 and it goes like, oh, I'm confused. Now I put on top of my confusion, a frame, a, a frame that maybe I'm not what I am, whatever it is. Yeah. And then, so they're transitioning from a place of confusion and they're moving from, they're not becoming less narcissistic as they grow up, they become more. So then their gender is all that they, they think about as opposed to what I hear these two doing, which is like, now I'm free to talk about anything else because I'm, I'm, I'm okay here. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and just the last piece that I wanted to add is that in this week, uh, Rachel Aiden and I were talking about, and I brought in the um, Thomas Hubel. I don't know if people here know him, know him, but he works with trauma and he works with all sorts of different things, but he works with like, um, Palestinians and Israelis and uh, Nazis and Jews and very big uh, topics like that. And one thing that he says is um, intimacy is when I feel you feeling me. So so when when I see their transition, it's like, oh, now the world can feel my insides more accurately. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I'm more free to have this reciprocity with the world. And then I can just be a full human and participate in life as an adult. And I feel this is healthy. So this feels mm. healthy. And yeah. at the same time, we're not saying that every child that has this doubt has to transition. That's we we don't think that. So yeah, yeah well it's I, I think there's a lot of manipulation on the part of the parents. So you could have fundamentalist manipulation like the kind maybe Aiden experienced. And then the other kind of ma manipulation is just cultural ideology ideological manipulation. It's like you should be different and, you know, go ahead and, you know, so, so that, that's not real parenting either, I, I wouldn't say. So uh, one of the things that Alexander said that I thought was very, very good in, in your discussion was that it, a, a person transitioning should, should love their old self or respect their, their old self, respect like who they were before. And that mm -hmm. if, if, if that act was done out of sort of self-hatred, uh, and hatred for the society and, and just wanting to 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 be different um that there's something maybe dangerous about that but yeah. but uh but but the process of, of uh, you know but but if there's a, if this is again as i totally agree with adrian i think that was beautiful it's this idea of needing because because we all go through unconscious rites of passage because we don't have those structures um to guide us through them right mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that the kids have to determine their rites of passages. And we're kind of like, um, in, in some ways, losing our adulthood to say, actually, I'm, I'm your carer. I have to care for you and for your well-being until you become mature and an adult and you can make those decisions for yourself. So when we were afraid of actually the hurt that we might cause, um, and I see this in my kids. I have two kids and it's different. We, you know, but uh, sometimes I do want to say yes, because it's really hard to keep saying no and they're get angry and they're frustrated. And, you know, and then you have add to that the pressure of society that you might be being a bad parent if your child wants to transition and you don't, you know, want them to transition. It's really complicated. So I don't even, I, I wouldn't even say it's a bad parent. I'm like, it's, it's confusion. We're in this, a yeah, glass confusion. of confusion and we need a lot of compassion towards one another instead of like really being aggressive towards mm -hmm. one another i mean if i 
to say, I appreciate Jordan Peterson's arguments and his narrative and his, um, he's a very smart man and, you know, his wife. And however, I'd say that every time we, we just go from one position and we go really aggressively, um, what happens is that we might miss a lot of little nuances that are, um, you know, the signal that, that yeah. uh, Rachel exactly. and Aiden are bringing, which I think is important. And when Aiden said, I, I didn't think I was in the wrong body. I, 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 I love this. I want to be this history, even though it was hard. All this incredible rite of passage that they both went through. Rachel wouldn't be Rachel and have all this wisdom. That's, of course, what she came to do. And Aiden, they wouldn't have this if they had just been born as a woman and a man. So this is, I think this is a sign of, in some ways, a healthy transition. It's showing exactly what you said, um, Andrew. I love my old self and I die to that as my, my ego death, but I bring that wisdom from the past that I integrated as this new self. And that feels really mature. That feels helpful to, to society. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, this, I, I like the idea that this kind of signal is not, it's not the signal you usually get, or maybe I just don't get it on my YouTube algorithms. But uh, but it does seem to be an important signal that, that you guys are, are transmitting here. I would say we've had a hard time finding it as well, you know, which is why, you know, when I started talking to John Verbeke, he was instantly just like, you know, he did the John Verbeke thing with his hands. And was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, my God, you're applying my work to gender. I should have done this already. Like, this is great, you know, and like no one he was like, I'm not satisfied with any of the academic views on gender but this is like where it's at, you know, and then, you know, talking with John and Greg later, you know, we just kind of developed this thing that I haven't seen. And, and of course, and like, and Aiden has been like super instrumental in it. And Adriana, like as like a reflecting point from like her point of view on trans people, like, it's like, it feels really powerful. Like this, this building like wall of energy that we have going that, you know, to me, like, like you said, I think you said something earlier, Andrew, that made me think like, like now I look at men and I'm like so appreciative of masculinity. Like, I'm just like, it's such a great thing. It's wonderful. And like a lot of men are not able to like fully step into that. You know, they can't grow up. And, mm -hmm. and it's like, but when you see a man doing that, inhabiting that, it's like this beautiful thing. It's so, so cool and great, you know? And so like, I think, like if this, if we work this right, what we'll get is like between us, we'll be able to actually paradoxically for some people or ironically, like clarify gender differences more and help people appreciate themselves, you know, and like the kids like appreciate themselves as just a normal, you know, cisgendered person, like person who's not trans, like, you know, and not say that that's just, you know, like that has nothing to do with lesser than or it's not special all of a sudden or whatever, like, you know, but that the whole thing is important. We're all part of this greater community, this tribe, and none of us can be, like Aiden always says, the well-rounded individual for everybody. So, you know, trans people aren't aren't the shit. Like we don't have this like special, you know, ability to be everything either, of course. What's coming up for you, Aiden, in all this? Yeah, I mean, I think that like, there's a weird way that um, that well-rounded individual thing pops up so much because it's uh, it, it speaks to the way that in the United States, at least, like education is all is like all about that. It's like 
basically the message message you get like from when you're really really young it's like you're supposed to become this well-rounded individual and that that's what like you know people are going to be looking for on your resume that's how you can be successful um you know professional that's how you can be um a good member of your community and um contribute to your family is by being this well-rounded individual but the thing is is that like if we just like like what we're doing essentially with the round well-rounded individuals we're creating flatlands like we're zooming out so far that we're creating flatlands and like i don't i i think that there's like um there's a lot of like toxicity that comes um out of the repression that builds up from that and i think that like that's a lot of what we we were experiencing as like cultural upheaval right now has to do with deep repression about our differences that like you know we we can't just be like um these these perfect cogs in a machine um for capital essentially like that's and that's and i i don't i don't want to make this like an economic conversation but i think that it's worth considering how much of feminism um is repressed through the process of trying to fit into the job market um how much of and now how much of masculinity is like it's basically like it they're 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 each losing everybody's losing by this yeah. so like it's not as if like any anyone is like a quote unquote victim it's that we're all suffering because um we're neither inhabiting all that we could be and uh and and that includes just like Rachel's pointing to our ability to support each other. So we can't, we can neither inhabit ourselves well, nor support each other as well. As long as we try to pretend like, you know, there's, you know, that like, for example, I think that's really what the, the whole transition thing is, is the whole trans thing is like pushing back on in society is this like, Oh, well, like, I'm going to say I'm, I was born in the wrong body. I'm going to do this whole transition thing. But like, regardless of that, like, I've always been this, like, regardless of all of those realities, I've always been this. It's like, there's a denial of development in general when it comes to like, to me, that says more about our culture broadly that anybody can even hold that concept in their head. You That's know what almost... I mean? Like, I, yeah, what we, you made me think about is it's almost a theological thing. It's like, mm -hmm. uh, um, it's like we're born sinful, we're born wrong, we're born bad, and we have to become, you know, you know who we are. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very Protestant, you know. Mm -hmm. that, that seems to be a big part of the uh, that that the problem with that ethic is. Uh, is that that's not really true we just have we just we we you know it's not really true it, we just have different we just have different stages of, of who we are in, in our life mm. it seems to me i i think like safe spaces is like a concept that is like super unfortunate that it's been co-opted because like really that's what to me that's like what a bard absolute is meant to create is it's meant to create safe spaces for exploration it's meant to create safe places spaces for nurturing or for danger like, <laughs> yeah yeah right. like both, all of like those a, things like 
doing dangerous things you know it needs needs a, a parameter needs a safe space it's a kind of a paradox right if you just yeah. had a safe space so you could just be safe what what would the point of that be you know because people right? don't really want people don't, people don't want to be safe that's the most boring thing in the world people yeah. don't want to be alive right and, and be in the, in the context of being alive you know children need safe spaces in that sense yeah but 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 i think i think you do, we do need safe spaces for to explore the more you know uh, you know different or or creative or sometimes dark aspects of our our nature yeah if you go to like a proper pride fest or drag show or something like an adult version you get that sense you know i like to say make queer queer again like it's mm -hmm. dangerous it's weird it's unsettling you know and it's not for the kids really <laughs> Yeah. like the family you know pride parade with a million different identity flags and stuff like that that yeah. i kind of like to pick on a lot but like you get a sense of that like oh there's something also very fey about the whole experience like there's this otherworldly magic that comes in and you realize that like this seems to be something that can be brought into the world but you have to know how to filter it properly hmm it's not meant for unadulterated use by regular people, probably. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was like talking to Jamie culture. Will. Oh, sorry. Oh no, sorry. I was just gonna say that it's pushing culture. It's evolving culture from the fringes. It's just like mm -hmm. tapping into something that's not yeah. ready quite for the masses, but just a little bit of signal and then starts moving us in a different Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I was talking to Jamie Wheel and he was talking about the Burning Man scene. And he said that he said that it's like he was going to all these events and it was like four degrees removed from the Burning Man scene, except everybody was dressing the part. You know, there, there was there was the simulacrum of the thing um, mm -hmm. and then it, but it became popular. And, and maybe that is a danger in this in this trans uh, movement that it would, it would it would sort of maybe that is the danger that it becomes some sort of popular movement. Whereas, whereas it's really a sort of, it is, a, it, it, it belongs in a dangerous periphery space, uh, tra, tra, you know, liminal it's, space. It's so undeniably um, experimental. Mm. Like if you, mm. like anybody who tries to act like, oh, you're going to go on hormones, everything's going to be fine. We know exactly what will happen to you is like doing a huge disservice. Like you can't, you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what your experience is going to be. You don't know who you're going to become. You don't know how your relationships are going to change. You don't know how your perception of the world is going to change. You need to get real with how huge of a shift this is. Um, this is not, these aren't fucking toys. Like these are serious drugs. This is a serious change uh, with serious consequences that you cannot turn back from in a, in a very big way. So, and I, and, and that's like, the way that I put it is that I would never recommend to anybody to be trans. I would never recommend to anybody to transition. That's totally bonkers. Like the idea of that is insane to me. Um, so it's really like, that's one of the things that like, um, I feel like more trans people need to say, just to make it clear, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. to make it clear. Not because, because I feel like there's this weird implication that snuck in it's going to be a nice experience and you're going to be guided all the way through and and mommy and daddy will be there and <laughs> whereas this is like surgery a, man this is drugs you know yeah, and, and it's a you know 
even even short of that even short of that like something that really struck me a few months ago i was driving the car with um with my family and um my mother-in-law started talking about so she recently retired as a nurse from her for her entire career she had been working in the same hospital and like knows everybody there really well and one of the uh one of her coworkers has a daughter who had started like you know basically started saying that she wanted to go by masculine pronouns or at least i can't remember honestly whether it was non-binary or masculine pronouns and that um that it was just like like there's so like as as my mother-in-law was describing it she's just like oh like like their entire world is just being like torn apart their social life is destroyed they don't know how to fit in they don't even want to go to school they're staying at home because they can't face their peers and and i like i had i actually had an unexpected reaction as i was sitting there i was like why why are they doing this like why like what do you think is being gained from this process like it is only causing pain for this person in this case like and i'm not saying that it's always going to be that way and i might even be misreading that situation like i'm not trying to claim like any any particular pathway is right or wrong for anyone but um i think it's like useful to get real um about your particular child and your particular culture and where you are and like what is actually being um improved by doing this now here you know and and i and i think that that's like um there's what i would say is like the big like my kind of like theory behind why the childhood transitions are happening um, or being like, like, continue, like people are supporting it and, and saying, okay, let's keep going on this is actually because it's anti-trans. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think that it's anti-trans to say that there's this kid who's, who's identifying with the, uh, as like, you know, cross It belittles the, the experience then. Is that what it, you're saying? Uh, it belittles the experience, mm-hmm. but it also, it, it also is, um, trivializes it it's trying it's it's an attempt to actually erase trans people Mm. to try to have kids like oh we're going to put puberty blockers into your body because that shouldn't affect you in any other negative way Mm. and then we're going to put you on hormones when you when you're finally at the age where it's legally permitted like no like no you're all you're trying to do is you're trying to prevent the reality of their biology to come to fruition and their reality, their biology as a trans person is that they're actually, you know, I, I have a like mostly female body that I treat with testosterone, right? Like I fully like matured in this body. And I like the, what I would say is like additional surgeries could be like really like intimidating for for kids who are thinking about like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get these, this estrogen and now my hips are going to get bigger and I'm going to get breath and then I'm going to have to have more work done. And like, it's going to be harder. I feel like this is how people are looking at it is they're like, oh, we're going to make their lives harder by, by having them wait and mature and then transition when they can make it as a, a fully, I, nobody's ever fully realized. Right. But like, at least somebody who has given their body, their brain an opportunity to, to develop 
relatively naturally, you know, like, I just don't, I feel like it's so experimental. I, I worry mm. about like literal brain development of these kids mm. who are going on puberty blockers. Yeah. Hormones are extremely crucial to brain development. Like, what do you, like, how do you think this is not affecting them on some extremely deep level? And again, I would just say, I really think this points towards actually fear of trans people, fear of trans identities right, right. is actually pushing people towards transitioning children because they want them to be not trans people. They want them to be as closely biologically the cross-sex as they can possibly manage. Right. So you're distinguishing between trans people and people who are just like, uh, you know, uh, an imitation of a woman or something, or an imitation. No, of a woman. no, not even that. The, the not notion that. of passing is that we're saying the notion of yes. passing. Like, if you transition really, really young, yeah. then you you're trying to erase that you were born yes. in a different body. Which actually, for me, mm -hmm. in some ways, if you keep this hidden in yourself and you're yeah. always afraid of people finding out, in some ways, mm -hmm. you're already separating yourself from the world. You're already in, in, there's some turmoil that's always going to perpetuate with you. I think that this notion of passing is really sad mm. because of passing. The, the history. I, I, can you explain, passing. like, I, I haven't heard that term, so, so I, I don't really know what you mean. It means just, um, it means, you know, missing the whole developmental the other, process. Passing as the other gender. So, for example, ah. and I need to oh. correct me. If I, so, for example, when people don't notice you as trans, so if you, if you, so a lot of mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the anxiety and and Rachel has pointed to something that I was um, touched by. She says in some places it actually feels really good to pass because it's dangerous to be trans, and that's another mm -hmm. piece. This is like if we don't make space for the real shamanoids, like let's say that this is I don't even know the percentage, but there is a a small percentage of a population that really embodies that role. If we don't see that as safe. Then, then even the ones that really want to honor their whole history have to want to pass because it's unsafe to, mm -hmm. to be seen as trans because it can be attacked on the streets, like on a very basic level. Yeah. So it's really, and, and I love what Aiden was saying because it, uh, I think it kind of weaves the whole conversation. It's, this is where we meet Peterson. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is where Peterson and us kind of like, it's not we're saying that he's not we're not saying that he's wrong by trying to protect young kids. There's a lot of yeah. right in it, but then there's a lot of noise that might come with it if this is not acknowledged as uh Radel yeah. and Raiden Aiden and Rachel. I, I blended both. Yeah. Aiden and Rachel. Um are bringing a fundamental piece because it's um I really believe that a, a culture that has forgotten itself needs the shamans like needs people to come and go like this is our role so no wonder it has been a a surge of of mm. of the energy mm. coming coming through and and then the, the last piece that i was gonna say is that for kids you know kids like on the developmental stage kids really need to belong i mean all of us humans need to belong but kids they're really imitating their peers they're copying their peers developmentally they're more in the collective mindset than their own individuation. They don't have that clear. So if like becoming, it's it's a really tricky thing to, to then um, like, let's say want to change your gender because that's kind of cool, like so blobbed together. It's like, oh, that's now what we do if we're confused. And then if you want to not do that, then you're, you're leaving a, a group because there is, Funnily enough, this whole notion of um, 
sovereign individual like if we're just individuated as a culture like we're so hyper individuated which is not true like we need each other we're interpenetrated but modernity has made us believe that we're so individuated that if you belong to a trans group or if you belong to something you belong to something at least you're belonging and if you're if you're just you know not you're you're just on your own so so yeah. the whole notion of rites of passages and trying to to cocoon the kids to belong to something and then try to understand their turmoil and as adults understand the nuances that these turmoils do happen anyway it, not even that you're transitioning they happen because as you're having female hormones or if you're having male hormones that's going to happen in teenagerhood so it's it's um yeah it's a very big conversation and yeah that's I huge, wanted to add yeah. just about um passing like I feel like as aside from the danger issue, you know, if that if like say like there's no major danger in being trans in culture, um, like I feel like the best way to go about like making your decisions as a trans person is to like move toward what what you fit better in like all the time. So like when I started, like I try, I was like, oh, I'll put on some black nail polish because that's still kind of fairly masculine looking and I'll go out in that and I was like nervous to do that and it felt really good and then I just like maybe I'll try this maybe I'll try that you know and then it's like maybe I'll have boobs now like I mean it just like kept going and going but it was it's towards something and not away from the past not in fear of you know my I'm not trying to like yeah eliminate the person I was I'm actually like I went through a whole like um like a crying I had like a major like crying period where I like had, like just felt like this gratitude toward this person who had gotten me to this point like like I was like he I know he was so scared of this like he was so terrified and he did it anyway like this was like this like heroic bravery that got me that that created me you know in some way it's almost you know it's like I am that person and I'm not but like it's like almost like having a parent that you know sacrificed themselves for you you know mm -hmm. It was, I just like broke down, like realizing that really deeply. And I feel like that grieving that person is important to, to an extent, you know, accepting that, grieving it, not hating it, you know, all of that, that continuity of life is otherwise, how do you become whole, right? <laughs> like you don't become whole by cutting off a whole bunch of your life. That just, it's so yeah. backward. And wholeness isn't perfection. It's not, it's not um, becoming this model version of something, whether it's trans or whatever, you know. It's it's the wholeness is becoming you. It's like you know, as, and, and with all your your kind of you know, um, idiosyncrasies. I would totally. say full participation, right? Like that's what I want. I want full participation in life. Hmm. And I think like it's really important again to point out that like as if if we can kind of start to be more adult about how we inhabit gender generally, like it's like a, an entire, you know, community, not just like trans people or anything. Um, it might actually be possible for trans people to more successfully transition as well, because they'll actually have better role models. Um, like it's mm -hmm. taken me a long, like it's taken me a while to kind of like feel like I've built up a, a, a like adequate range of masculine role models. For myself because it's so hard to find them um and i and i i feel like 
it may be the case that there's like, it may actually be the case that there's like more adequate uh, female role models out there um, at this point, because it, it definitely feels like there's been um, such a deep collapse of the masculine. Um, and this is something that I, I, I found, I find it fascinating. I think, I don't know like who originally, like where this originates from, but I know that Bard brings up the idea that everything shifted after 1945, that, you know, we've, we've never really recovered from the bomb, the dropping of the bomb. And I think that there's, there's something about like, um, there's something about like confrontation that feels really like deeply a part of this. Um, because when you're, when you're always accommodating, when you're always like, just trying to like, like smooth things over, um, you're, there's no way to hold on to your actual opinion and your actual identity. In order to be an adult, you have to be willing to confront. And I, and what I, what I see of masculinity and like the broad population is I see, I see these baby, baby men. They, they, where there's like so much, like, if you look at it, like my, my wife is a, a, as I referred to her last night, a boss ass bitch. She's fucking awesome. So she like, she, she, she manages a, a, a native plant nursery and has a, a few managers. Hopefully they won't watch this, you know, but um, she manages a couple of these uh, men as managers. So she's like their superior, right? And they sound like toddlers. They sound like toddlers, the way that they respond to, to her directing them to do their actual job. It's just like, nobody can own up to their responsibility, to their role in society. Um, it, it's like respect is like so hard to come by. And all of these things, like, it's just this, uh, it's this inability to just like, stand up and and do what do confront reality as it is you know and and that that's something that like going back to peterson it's like that's what that that's like i think what drew me to him initially was just the sense that like yeah like everybody needs to start doing this shit like everybody needs to be taking more responsibility for who they are and who they're becoming how they treat their spaces how they how they treat the people in their environment like um that's the through line that I see. Um, so I, I feel like there's common ground there somehow. And um, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I was talking to somebody the other day about how this culture is everything's very easy and safe and look kind of like we have everything, but we have to make difficulty for ourselves. Otherwise, we, we just end up being enormous babies, right? So we have to create you know, problems and difficulties. It's like Kierkegaard, you know, said that, you know, it's like, uh, I'm sitting around smoking a cigar, everything's going sort of like, you know, nicely in some some ways, even though I'm suicidally depressed, you know, I have everything I need. And, <laughs> you know, a lot of people are like that, right? That's like, but they're just too comfortable. So, so mm -hmm. it's in a way, again, we have to manufacture these rites of passages or crises or or, or ch at least challenges, uh, you know, um, challenge ourselves in an intense way, or we never feel fully, you know, up to our fully human. Mm. 
Yeah. In a, in the um, work of the menstrual cycle, but that applies to men as well, applies to all of us, but in the work of the menstrual cycle, we say that, you know, that which, so the menarche, which is the first blood, so the first period, initiates a girl into her womanhood, and then whatever is planted at that time is going to teach her of how to be a woman, what's valued in her culture. And then she'll harvest that at menopause. So there's a, she'll, there's a whole planting of the seed in this time. So I'm thinking of like the, the, the boy version of that as well. But I'm just thinking for girls, I mean, I've heard so many stories and it's like what we plant at that time is that, uh, you know, we don't plant anything about the feminine. We have no idea. Most women, when they do these workshops, they have no, uh, they have horrible stories about their first um, periods. And then what they just, what's planted is like, oh, you just go for it, you just, whatever it is. And then they have, they notice when they start noticing what they harvested, and when they got pregnant, when they had birth or whatever, even if they didn't get pregnant, what they harvested is a disconnection from that part of themselves. And they, became really good at becoming uh, being linear because that was planted that was what was planted right there so i think that there's a lot of truth in the boy version as well and caring for a society so this work of rites of passages i think it's fundamental and there's a lot of people starting to do this work of of teaching boys and teaching girls in whatever way not just the the menstrual cycle but initiating them into adults like uh, Aiden saying so we can actually mature and not become like older toddlers <laughs> as we progress yeah, and yeah. you know and and just with more responsibility but no capacity to deal with the complexities of the world without collapsing into um yeah no energy state. right right yeah it's like this burnout culture you know people people lose their their elan energy and that is really based in your sex on some level right in your um you know, in your eros, in your, you know, passion for, for life. But yeah, that's what people, that's what, you know, I think that I think that what, 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 you know, what you're saying makes me think that it's just, it's, it's, it's getting back to the most primordial um, religion or sacredness. Uh, like what you were saying, Kaida, Adrian, is that we, we have to make these things, there, there has to be a gravity to, let's say the transition process. It can't be just a, a trendy thing that people do that becomes mm. another, you know, uh, another, there has to be, and that that's like profoundly religious or something. That's like, you know, in the true sense. If it's done right, it yeah, can it's further aspiration beyond that transition. You know, it can like open you up in this way that you're like, oh, this is what it's like to become a different person with more capacities, a new worldview, et cetera, right? So if it's if it's handled right and, and you have the proclivity for it, obviously, most people, this is going to be the transformation that they need in their life, obviously. But like, if it's done well, you know, I find that it's like, it gives you all this capacity that is similar to other forms of transformation that you see in religious and spiritual practice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know, like, I lived in a monastery, uh, a Buddhist monastery. And what I noticed is if you get a lot of men together, they become maternal with each other they take care of each other they become like they become softer and and you know speak more quietly and, and sort of become more elegant you know like monks are often like that where and then and you get the women together they, they kind of grow beards and <laughs> they get tough you know they, they want to you know so, so you know, it's, it's an interesting uh uh 
dynamic of again i think that it's very important uh this whole like and i remember hearing about this aikido master like you said that when he was a young guy he was this really you know this great aikido master he, he was very powerful and muscular and kind of just you know a, you know warrior and then when he became old he was he was he he, he he transitioned into a woman's body just naturally he became you know became fluid and soft and grew breasts and Mm. And I <laughs> so, mean, so it's one, interesting. Uh, I mean, like this is imitating real things. It's not just a. It's not just a, a game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and I was even gonna like bring in the rites of passages again. That's what, what happens post menopause. So naturally, the woman becomes post menopause. A woman would be more integrating her masculine in a post andropause. I think it's called a man. He becomes uh, more feminine. So it feels yeah. really beautiful because the, the polarities are always dancing with each other. And it, so it makes total sense to me, Andrew, when you say about the the men together, you know, become more maternal and the women together. It's, it's like you, you you sense in yourself, if you're an intelligent, responsive with reality, you sense, oh, there's too much yin here, too much feminine. We need a little bit of yang. Or we need, so it's, it, it's this, it feels really, it feels really true. So when I hear you saying that, because when I when I um, inhabited places with a lot of women in these, um, there was a time that I was doing a lot of work with women. You have that. It's not the to the point of growing beards, but it was it was you have the sliding scale of youngness. You know, you amongst mm. us there is that forms. And yeah, because uh, you need the whole thing, right, in in a community. Yeah. So that, that those those elements naturally develop. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So uh, this has been great. This conversation. Uh, are, are we are we drawing somewhat to a close? Do you do you guys have? Do you want do you want to sort of go around one more time and say a few things, or is there anything burning that that needs to be said? I do. I do have something. Um, I just want to really. I want to close by reiterating what I said at the beginning about the tenor of the conversation is only becoming, um, I feel like more toxic in our culture. And, you know, it's important to point out, like, like I was, I, I don't think I actually got to this point in, in um, what I was explaining with my, my following of Peterson, but um, one of his guests more recently was the uh, the guy who did the documentary "What Is a Woman," <laughs> and um, frankly, I was like really appalled to hear this gentleman admit that like their goal, like his goal, is to make it illegal for trans people to be treated of any age. Mm -hmm. so, so to be treated like what like of any treated, age right medically treated they receive any kind of medical treatment they want they like his whole thing oh. is basically like no like he doesn't think that trans people should be um or that doctors should be allowed to treat trans people um and in that moment like as he's saying that um it was really disappointing because over the years like i feel like peterson has like at least like tried to make it more about the kids which is like in you know take that for what it is you know it's not fantastic but um but it's at least like 
a more responsible view. But um, yeah, I was disappointed to hear that he was like, well, you know, I, you know, I want to, I want to like kind of push back, but I, I, I think I sort of agree with you. Like he kind of like gave this half-assed response to it. I was like, is this really, you know, so it's getting, it, it, it's not, there's, there's like, it's not quantifiable, but like, it does seem to be that the conversation is becoming drifting more and more extreme when it comes yeah. to pushback. Um, so I, you know, it, it is what it is. Like, I just, I want, I, I think there's like a beauty to, to this conversation that like, I feel almost guilty for, for like bringing this kind of like dark moment at the end. But, um, but this is, this is a confrontation thing, right? Like, yeah. you know, I can't like, we're, we're, we're in a very safe space. Like, I know that you're extremely respectful and, and that like, this was a good, uh, that parallax was a good space to be able to have this conversation. Um, but I do, you know, every time I do one of these videos, I do have a moment where I wonder, okay, I hope people don't, you know, like look me up and try to, to do harm to me or my family. We just, we need to be real about, real about that, that like mm. that, you know, there's real, there, there's very real world consequences that are associated with this conversation and like huge motivation for me to push forward and try to like do it. Yeah. Cause I think mm. that a lot of people are too scared on in, mm. in whatever realm they happen to inhabit themselves. I think a lot of people are too scared to, to put themselves out there, mm. which is fine. I respect that. Yeah, yeah, that's something I, I I've been thinking about and wanting to talk about as well. Uh, you know, because 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 in a way, I, as I say, I, I'm quite fond of of Jordan Peterson in many ways, and and I've noticed a fury in his 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 recent iteration, and I think a fury is always based on a scapegoat, and mm -hmm. and and that's always unconscious. Like I don't know if he knows that that's happening. You know. But when there's a scapegoat, there's fury, and 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 that, that's uh, so there is that danger uh, that that trans people be, gets get scapegoated. Mm, I mean, yeah. trans people have probably been scapegoated forever on some level. I mean, because because the scapegoat is always the the more, most vulnerable, you know, type of person. Um, mm. So so I think there is. I think it is good to talk about that, and and again, I I, I am going to send this to. Uh, to Tammy and 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 Jordan and, and see if they see what they have to say about it. Um, what I would I would your love permission. I would, you know, I, would, you know. I would love it if he walked that back. Just walk that part back, you know, like just something like because this is this is a really really dangerous thing to suggest that adults cannot have the right to yeah to well we have to distinguish care. very clearly between adults yeah. and children here yeah very very clearly i mean you know adults you know you know uh, uh you know it's just it's, it's that's just an obvious thing i would say yeah uh, i was gonna add that just i um i i love that you brought this in Aiden, um, I think it's important. Like when you brought your fear, I was just like, it brought home because I was just like, yeah. And we're talking about all this aspirational 
and this nuance and actually and culture is not there yet culture is not nuanced mm. it's collapsing everything into one thing it's hating one side and hating the other and and that's um and i think uh so if peterson's watching that um <laughs> or watches that i'd say that with this voice when you have a voice that's heard by a lot of people you would have to grow your responsibility like i actually really believe that like you're you're we have to maintain nuance and the capacity yeah. to to be nuanced because if if thousands and thousands and thousands of people are just going to follow you blindly um then it's it's you need to 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 engage from a place that's not just from trigger and and i've noticed so yeah, i've noticed that there were some conversations that peterson's talking from a place of trigger which feels to me different than talking from a strong masculine a strong mm -hmm. masculine that is mm -hmm. strong and boundary feels different than a masculine that's triggered and 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 responding from a place of of being aggravated so i think that needs to be unpicked for the sake of the whole culture and all of us in the end we're all humans and trying to to do this thing called life to the best of our ability yeah. all the time so i think compassion and boundaries and and um being able to face conflict they go hand in hand because if we're if we don't hold compassion also, we, we're not going to really truly be in hard conversations. We're going to be collapsed in the face of them. So then that's not really uh, generative. That's just me attacking you, you attacking me, and me not listening to you, you not listening to me. And that's not interesting. So. Yeah. And I guess John Raveki is, is an, an example of the opposite kind of he, 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 his reaction to Rachel of of, okay, we're bringing this to another level, you know, this is and the, him getting very excited about that. You know, that that's kind of how I feel when I'm talking to you guys as well. So, uh, so that that would be a good spirit to, um, to emulate. Hmm. Any final thoughts, uh, Rachel? Uh, I just right now I'm feeling a lot of gratitude being here with you guys and having this conversation and who knows where it's gonna go you know I'm always like things could go real dark real fast but like every time we have one of these I'm like at least we're we're really seeking the truth and trying to work through things and you know look at nuance and really open space for conversation and that is for me, it is, you know, John is like philosophy dad to me. So like, I like, you know, think of that spirit, the Philea Sophia, you know, as much as possible and how the world just needs that in all kinds of ways. But like, we can't shirk our duty to be part of that, you know, like as much as we can, even if it's like, sometimes it feels like you're the canary in the coal mine, you know, or the storm crow or something, you know, but like, I'm hoping that somehow we can make it worthwhile. Very good. Yeah, this this has felt very uh, uh, important to me <laughs> personally. So so uh, to, to get to know you guys a bit and 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 to talk about these things because I haven't had this kind of a conversation before. So I'm very glad to be doing this, and I hope we can do it again. Thank you so much Thanks for having us. Andrew. Yeah, with huge pleasure. Um, take care, guys. Right. Big love, you guys. Big love. Big, big love. love. Bye. Good night. Bye.